heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Well, would you look at that, folks? We have another week of the NFL season almost completed. It's Monday, December 14th right now. Uh, returning guest, actually, who I have today. I'm going to get right to the point. Uh, and he, before he hosted the Who Day uh, Nation News podcast, now he is the host of the Sports Dude Hines show. Please welcome back to YWC Football Talk for episode 48, Jordan Hines. Jordan, how are we feeling today? I'm doing good. Really uh, appreciate that you could have me on the show. I'm really excited to talk some sports. Awesome, awesome. Well, we had a full slate, and honestly, yesterday was probably, I have to say this, yesterday was probably one of the most boring witching hours in the NFL this season, just because there was no games that were really, really close. There was like a couple, but like for the most part, when I'm just looking at the scores, like besides a few of them, a lot of these games were more than one score away, so... We're going to recap all the games, just even if there's some we didn't watch, we'll talk about them as most as we can, including some painful ones, because uh, Jordan, uh, your team, obviously the Bengals, and my team, the Patriots, uh, both took losses this week that we're not really proud of. Uh, can you hear me? I'm just gonna, yes, I can hear you. Sorry, folks, just had some technical issues there. Uh, go, go on with what you're saying. You kind of were just clicking there. Uh, I I couldn't. You were talking. I, I couldn't hear anything you were saying. I was just saying you and uh, your you know, the team you cheer for, and the team I cheer for. You being a Bengals fan, myself being a Patriots fan. Actually, both of our teams uh, took losses this week. Unfortunately, you to the Cowboys and my team to the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, um, another one touchdown performance. That is five straight games with just one offensive touchdown. Five offensive touchdowns in five games. Very pathetic. Yeah, like, this was a team that, like, showed promise, but, like, I'm just, like, with the with the Bengals, like, let's, let's like, get into that game quickly, because everyone's talking about, like, oh, the whole Andy Dalton revenge game factor and everything like that. Um, with the Bengals, like, we obviously know Brandon Allen's not the plan going forward, but, and we all know, like, what the, like, the Bengals probably, I think the Bengals right now, are they, are where you thought they were, or are they doing worse than what you thought? Well, like, injury, in Joe Burrow injury aside. Oh, absolutely not. They're doing 1,000% worse than I thought they would, and every other Bengal fan thought they would. Last season, I mean, we were 2-14, and 14, tied the record for the worst record in franchise history. And um, after the first couple of weeks, we, we just played horrible. And I was telling people, without Burrow, we're the worst team in the league. We would lose to the Jets. We would lose to anybody. Right now, I we are the worst team in the league, and I don't even think it's close. Like I mentioned, just five offensive touchdowns the last five games. Uh, I mean, we are playing worse than we played last year, and we had our worst record ever last year. I mean, A.J. Green is not playing like he used to be. The offensive line still isn't good. The the defensive line isn't getting sacks. And despite us having a really good draft and um, free agency, somehow we're worse, which I don't even know how that's possible. Like, I, I I haven't watched too, too much Bengals football this year, but, like, there were the bright spots, but at the same time, too, I've had people on here who, like, Love Joe Burrow, but at the same time, too, it's kind of like one of those situations where they don't want to see like a Sam Darnold kind of thing where it's like you have this amazing talent. Or even Sam's not amazing, but he's still good. 
but you don't want to have this amazing talent and then have them surrounded by nobody. So hopefully the Bengals can get it right in the draft. You know what? they got to fix the offensive line, add to the defensive line a little bit. Uh, I'm pretty sure A.J. Green will be gone at the end of the season to someone else. But it's just, man, there's a big question going forward, too, of, like, even the quarterback. Like, are you in favor of Burrow taking a redshirt year, or do you want to try to see him play, like, sometime hopefully by, like, say, this time next year or even October, November, best-case scenario? You mentioned Green probably not coming back. He's a free agent at the end of the year, so is Carl Lawson and uh, William Jackson. I hope Green does not play for the Bengals again. I know that's very unpopular. You're not going to hear that from anybody else. But um, I'm, uh, I just I just have bold takes. But, I mean, Green's just been absolutely horrible this year. Everybody says he deserves the chance. He's had plenty of chances, and he drops the ball pretty much every single time he has the opportunity. But um, you mentioned um, that. I mean, I, I Burrow, the, our medical staff is not good. Uh, speaking of Green, last year he was expected to miss a month. And he ended up missing the whole year. Geno Atkins to begin this season was expected. He was uh, week to week, day to day, something like that. And he missed uh, about the first four or five games. I don't trust our medical staff, and especially uh, I, I have no faith in them with somebody like Burrow. I mean, I I don't want him playing unless he's 110%. I would probably not play him until October. But um, if we have a bad record at that point, like we're – Two and six, two and seven, uh, two and seven, something along those lines. I wouldn't even play him. I would just uh, make sure he's one hundred percent. He knows the system, whoever the coach is, and uh, I want to keep him healthy because he's our future and he's the only chance we have ever winning a Super Bowl. You you nailed it all in the head because the one point I was hearing too with the whole rushing Burrow back thing was what happened to Carson Wentz, not Carson Wentz, excuse me, Carson Palmer when he tore his ACL, I believe in two thousand and five, and then in two thousand and six he came back a little early and was like seeing ghosts and just, like, freaking out and making, like, very rash decisions that would cost the team football games. Yeah, I mean, I don't trust. I just there, There's so much different things to look forward to. And, I mean, but there's really so much more question marks on this team because you don't know what they're going to do, especially with Burrow's injury to open to line. It's going to be really interesting for this upcoming season. Exactly, because going forward, I'm already looking at the draft. Like, say if you guys end up picking, like, three, four, five, somewhere in that range. There's an offensive lineman from Oregon, I believe, Panay Suell, or uh, like I think that's his name, just pops as soon as you see him. Uh, yeah, I've watched film on him. He's really good, but um, I there's an amazing trade. I wouldn't mind us actually trading back because look at our roster. Our roster is not bad, but our just team is is not good. You look at our team on paper; it's pretty good, but there's just so many holes that need to be filled: the offensive line, defensive line, corner. Uh, tied in, just pretty much everything except quarterback and possibly wide receiver. But I um, I wouldn't mind training back for him. I know he's great, but there's a lot more holes to fill than just the offensive line. Yeah, you know what? You're, you're right, though, because even though you can go out there and get what you think is the best player, you know what? Training back and also to gaining future assets isn't the worst thing in the world, especially in a year like this where I think this year, obviously this past year's trade, de- uh, not trade deadline, um, draft wasn't as trade crazy, obviously just because with COVID and everything like that. But even though COVID still is a thing, it's not as significant as last year. So I think you will see a lot more uh, draft day trade activity. So something like that is completely possible. Yeah, hopefully. I um, I mean, you look, for instance, um, he's going to be a great tackle in the league. He's the best tackle prospect in a while, but... Look at Joe Thomas. I mean, 
They had a good tackle. I know they did not have nearly the talented roster as the Bengals currently do when Thomas was with Cleveland, but he's a Hall of Famer. He is, he's a de- I mean, definite Hall of Famer, one of the best tackles during his time, uh, one of the best tackles of all time, but he didn't significantly improve that offense. You look at him, I mean, there's – I just – the offensive line, it's bad, but it's not as bad as people expect. And there's just so many holes – the offensive line is arguably not even our worst position at times. I think corner is really bad too, but I, I, there's just so many possibilities, way more than anybody expect. For instance, Trey Waynes was signed this past year. He's into $14 million, uh, averaging $14 million for a three-year contract. doesn't make sense. Um, Drake Kirkpatrick, he's basically a Drake Kirkpatrick player, uh, similar stats and everything. Kirkpatrick was getting paid nine last season, and they paid Waynes five more million. And he's yet to play a game. He's not really – he's been hurt. And um, I, I wouldn't really be surprised if they end up cutting Waynes. I know that's really, really, really unpopular. Not heard from anywhere else. But he's making $14 million. If you cut Waynes, you save money. And that could potentially – I mean, that would save you money. And you can use that money towards possibly Carl Lawson. Or you decide to keep A.J. Green on a really, really cheap contract. Or if you extend out William Jackson. There's just so many possibilities uh, for the Bengals this upcoming offseason. And that's the one thing to look at, too. Just basically, hey, if you win March and April, that's how you can build your team going forward. You want to give the fans something to root for or have that, like, sensitivity. Not sensitivity, sense of, like, hope or optimism, no matter how you did the previous year. Because, like, I had someone at my work tell me, like, because they do, like, an NFL weekly pick pool. And they were like, I told them who to pick. And they're like, oh, I don't know. They weren't good last year. I'm like, NFL is that one sport where one year you could be horrible the next year you can be great like there's there's even a few teams this year who are in the playoff push who did not make the playoffs last year at all so just the change in overlap is crazy so that's just always something to look forward to like i'm not here saying the like no offense the Bengals are playoff contender 21 just because of the burrow injury but if you can build around him you're only going to give him confidence and you're going to give the fans confidence yeah, this you're speaking of the off season. This off season was the best off season in, in uh, franchise history. You ask anybody, they'll more likely agree with you. They actually spent money. They signed DJ Reader. That was probably our biggest signing ever. Uh, Von Bell was a great signing. Mackenzie Alexander. I mean, we had some um, um, great signings to the draft. Uh, T. Higginsborough. I mean, March and April for us, this was the best it's ever been, and we're going to be stuck with two wins just like we were last year. And um, it's just, you, you mentioned about the Bengals pro- not contenders this year and probably not next year with the Burrow injury. I don't think we're going to be contenders next year. Burrow could be 100% at the beginning of next year, which more likely he's not going to be. But if Zach Taylor's our coach, we're still not going to be in the playoffs or even close. It's, uh, I mean, I just, nothing's going to change, I really think, until Taylor's fired. It's, there's just, he's a disaster for Bengals fans. That's what I was going to ask you next, because um, I told you before we went on that we were going to go through hot seats, but I figured we'll talk about what coach we think we're going to get fired later. But I wanted to ask, because Zach Taylor's one that I've always been starting to kind of flirt with in a sense of, hey, could he potentially be on the hot seat? Because he's a name that hasn't been thrown around a lot in that sense by a lot of reporters and stuff, because there's always, on that Black Monday or even Sunday night now, there's always like one coach that no one saw coming, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised this year if that was Zach Taylor. Taylor's four twenty four and one. I believe he's one. He's one fourteen and one in one possession games. And there's people who say, "Well, at least we're close." That don't mean crap. I mean, you play to win the game. You don't play to um, 
feel good. You don't play to be close. Your only thing to do is to win, and he's not done that. I mean, it's just – I mean, like I said, five offensive touchdowns the last five games, and he's supposedly an offensive-minded coach. But um, I, I don't – I would be absolutely shocked if he's fired because Mike Brown, I mean, he loved Marvin Lewis. He was here for over 15 years. But um, I, I don't expect Taylor to be fired. And something like I mentioned, he's 4-24-1. and one. Um, I've, I had Hugh Jackson on my show. I just posted the interview today. But um, if you look at Jackson's record, I believe he's 3-36-1, something along those lines. And lots of people consider him to be one of the worst NFL coaches of all time, which to me is just absolutely insane and stupid. Because you look at who he had. He had Josh McCown, who was aging. He had Isaiah Crowell, who's average at the absolute best. And Terrell Pryor, a former college quarterback, as his top receiver. He won three games and around 40 games that he coached. Zach Taylor has coached um, 29 games. He has four wins, just one more win. And he's had a Pro Bowl quarterback in Andy Dalton, one of the best quarterback prospects of all time in Joe Burrow, a top 10 running back in Joe Mixon. A.J. Green's potentially Hall of Famer. Tyler Boyd, who could potentially have his third straight year with a 1,000-yard seasons. T. Higgins, who's going to be a huge piece of this offense. Jonah Williams. Geno Atkins, who's potentially Hall of Famer. And every single game this year, they've not he's not played a single game over 20, uh, 20 snaps. William Jackson. This roster, on paper, is a top 15 roster, and he's having similar games and similar stats to Hugh Jackson was as a coach when he's considered the best, one of the worst head coaches of all time. I don't understand how people, and I don't think, I don't understand how people realize that Taylor is not a problem when he's a huge piece of the Bengals' problem. Once they fire Taylor, that's when we're going to be in the right direction. It's just very, very bad. Yeah, I personally think that Taylor comes back next year, but if the ship either doesn't get off to a good start, like say if you guys get off to a really bad start, or if it's just another losing season where it's like, say, not even five or six wins, then I think Taylor gets kind of, uh, Taylor gets fired because the, like, also to this job is kind of like the Chargers job where you have the quarterback. People are going to want to come to coach Joe Burrow when he's fully healthy in 2022, potentially, or even 2021. We don't know what the Bengals are going to do. So that's just one thing I wanted to point out. Um, but anyway, uh, do you want to talk some more Bengals? Do you have anything more to get off your chest, or do you want to start talking more about what happened yesterday in the around the NFL? Uh, if we were talking about the Bengals, we'd be on here for hours, and I would be ranting the whole time. So we can go ahead and talk about the NFL. Okay, um, so I'm just going my app, the score app, by the way, for the people who are always asking. Um, the first game that I see here, Houston versus Chicago. I swear, if there was ever a game for Mitch Trubisky to play well, it was this game. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, he's so inconsistent, and it's just, you don't know what to expect from the Bears. Just like, I mean, with the lower half of the teams, you don't know really what to expect from them. One game, they'll be really good, and they defeated the Buccaneers. But another game, they'll beat the Texans, but another game, they'll just get absolutely killed by teams with the Packers several weeks ago. And, um, yeah, I was really surprised that the Texans did not score more than the points they scored. I am, too. It's like, I thought for sure, you know what, Houston's going to have a good day. They're just, like, the uh, Chicago offense isn't going to get anything done. They've been so inconsistent. But I only said that about if this was a game for Mitch Trubisky to play well. It's just because if he had shit the bed yesterday, the media would be all over him today saying, like, oh, like, it's proof once and for all. We should have taken Deshaun Watson. Why didn't we take Deshaun Watson? But... I have a stat line right here. Uh, Mitch went 24 for 33 with 267 uh, passing yards, 
three interceptions, three touchdowns, excuse me, no interceptions in a quarterback rating of 126.7. So I don't think the Bears still make the playoffs unless they go on a cuckoo run because they do have Minnesota, who's been super inconsistent as well. They have Jacksonville, and then they have Green Bay, who potentially are already wrapped up, but I doubt it. So I'm looking at them right now. They're 6-7. and seven. I think this team finishes 8-8. Eight and eight. I can see them stealing Minnesota and I, at, riding off the momentum of yesterday and to they'll probably beat Jacksonville because, well, Jacksonville's terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at Trubisky, that was a really good performance by him, but at the same time, Houston's defense is not really good. But the Vikings is a winnable game, but they're really inconsistent. The Jaguars is a winnable game, but they only have one win, and their their win was the first game of the season. They've lost ever since. But um, I think that won't be close because they've played some pretty well the past couple of weeks and they didn't play well yesterday, but they've been competitive. And the Packers game is really interesting because let's say they beat the Vikings – in the Jaguars, the with the Saints losing yesterday, the Packers are first place, I believe, in the NFC. And potentially, if the Packers are a game ahead of the Saints, and going into that final week, if the Packers are one hundred percent going to be the number one seed in the NFC, regardless of what happens, you may see Rodgers get benched. And if the Bears would win that game, then they could potentially get the playoffs. It's not likely, but it's possible. Exactly. It's one of those things I like to say, hey, it's any given Sunday, anything can happen. Because you have all these teams right now that are in that Bears. Like, cause I honestly think this Sunday's game, if you lose, because it's Bears-Vikings both 6-7, and seven, loser is missing the playoffs. I think loser, at the end of the season, whoever loses this game, could potentially get fired. I, I know that's a lot more yeah. uh, bolder, but I mean, Mike Zimmer, I mean, they're really inconsistent, and Nagy's not really been good, but... Whoever loses this game, I think could potentially be, uh, get fired at the end of the season. Um, Nagy, yes. Zimmer, no, because Zimmer signed a contract extension back, I believe, in March or April. So, I don't think... And also, to like Rick Spielman's signed. They got Kirk Cousins locked up for another two years. So, I think, unless the Wolves really want to shake it up in Minneapolis, I think Zimmer's job is safe for now. But next year's kind of the year where it's a prove-it-or-get-out kind of season. Yeah, and that might be partially just because I want Zimmer to get fired and come back to be the and become the Bengals head coach. But I mean, um, it'll be interesting to see uh, that matchup this week. That's all good. I, I just totally forgot until you said it that I just remembered Zimmer was a defensive coordinator for the um, for the Bengals once upon a time, and Jake Gruden, I believe, was the offensive coordinator before he went to Washington. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I'd be really, I'd be really excited if he could be our head coach. I, I don't blame you. I do not blame you at all. Uh, next up on the docket, we have Tennessee beating Jacksonville 31-10. to Was this a game for the Titans to get right after the shellacking against the Browns, or was this just, you know what, the Titans got a pass and Derrick Henry is the monster? I think it was more so, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they're, they're kind of peed off they lost to the Browns because that was just, that was not a Titans game, giving up, I believe, over 40 points. And uh, the Jaguars are... Right now, I know this might be hard to believe, I think they're the third worst team in the league because I think the Jets were better. Uh, excuse me. Now, um, the Jaguars are one of the worst three teams in the league, but uh, they're not as bad as people expect because they've been competitive in some games. But um, Henry had, I believe, 215 rushing yards. And, um, yeah, it was kind of a bounce-back game from the Titans. Sorry. Um yeah, you know what? This is the kind of game where people kind of remind themselves, hey, this is who the Tennessee Titans are. 
Um, the one thing I'll say, too, because the Titans have a fairly easy, easy finish to the season as well, because like, they have Detroit this coming week, which we don't even know if Matt Stafford's going to play. And then we have, and then they have the Green Bay Packers week 16, which I think for both teams, that's a huge test of who are these teams. Because if, I'll say this right now too, and I've been saying this for a while, that Titans-Packers game is either going to win people fantasy championships or it's going to p- cost people fantasy championships. Because Derrick Henry going against that Packers rush defense, ooh, if you have Derrick Henry and you're in a finals, <laughs> you might be winning your championship that night. Yes, but, uh, that's a great point. I mean, Henry leads the league in rushing yards. Rodgers is probably the best season he's ever had. It's going to be a great game between those two teams. Exactly. I still look up the statue because I know uh, Derek Henry yesterday uh, trying to figure out what he did because I know he broke a record. But I believe it's uh, – I'm just trying to find it here. Oh, I can't find it. But basically – oh, um. He basically broke a record where he only joined, I believe, Jim Jim Brown and Ladanian Tomlinson as for, I believe, over a thousand rushing yards and over double digit touchdowns in like consecutive seasons. It's a record that, like, I think only, like I said, Jim Brown and LT have. So you're in Canton conversation already in his very young career if you're doing that at such a young age. Yeah, that's. I mean, Jim Brown and Tomlinson; those are two of the top de- two of the top ten best running backs of all time. And it's really weird because you look at it just a couple years ago. I believe it was the Thursday night game against the Jaguars. Up to that point, Henry was horrible. Like there was talks of the Titans potentially drafting a running back to replace him, and he had over 200 rushing yards that game. And going into that game, he had tw- I believe it was around 20 or 25 percent of his career rushing yards going into that game. Um, after that game, to the 200 yards of those games, 25% of his career rushing yards was from that individual game. And ever since then, he has been amazing and has probably been the best running back in the NFL. 100%. I was telling people yesterday, I said, 2021 fantasy draft. I had the first overall pick. I know Christian McCaffrey's been riddled with injuries, but he's had 30 points every game he's played. I'd take Derrick Henry the first overall pick next year for fantasy football. Yeah, I did a fantasy draft this past year where we're not playing because it's kind of too hard to do for money, but it's too hard to do because with the virus and everything. I had the first pick, and I um, it was Henry, Josh Jacobs, and Nick Chubb. I went with Chubb because I know they have Hunt, but Hunt's free agent at the end of the season, and ours is more so uh, quarterback wide receiver league. And although Henry's really good right now, I don't expect him to have success too much longer. Because I feel like the Titans are kind of overloading him with so many carries. Exactly, because that's where the point where I'm like, that's why I say that Packer game is going to be a big benchmark for both teams because, like, the Titans defense, their pass rush is a little weak, and Aaron Rodgers obviously can get the ball off quick. And then, like, with the Vikings, not the Vikings, the uh, Titans, their Derrick Henry against that Green Bay run defense, like, that just spells for, like, a 200-yard rushing day for him. So... We'll wait and see what happens, but that's just that's a game I got to look out for. And then another the game they have is Houston, so I think that Tennessee will be in the playoffs. It's just whether if they win the division or not, we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really expect the Titans to be in the playoffs. I'd be shocked if they weren't, and it'd be interesting to see if they end up winning their division. I think they will just because of that, that head-to-head with the Colts, but we'll see because, like, like the expression I like to say, any given Sunday. Um, 
Next up, just quickly, Denver versus Carolina. This wasn't a game I really had too much stake in, but Denver showed that like they can be good, but at the same time, true, it's just there's so many question marks surrounding this franchise still, in my opinion. Um, I kind of mentioned at the beginning of the show, I like bold takes. And at my show, uh, me and one of my, um, somebody I brought on the show, we were doing some award predictions. And I went bold, and I put Drew Locke as my MVP. And it sounds crazy, but last year, you look at Drew Locke and the uh, Broncos. They were 4-1, and their only loss was to the future Super Bowl champions that year, the uh, Chiefs. But, um, I mean, Drew Locke, if he can stay consistent, they're going to be really good. To me, I think they easily have the best young offense in the NFL. Um, Cortland Sutton, which he's out for the year, and it's kind of hurt Locke some. They've also had Juwan James. I believe he opted out of the season. That's hurt their offense. Von Miller's been out for the year. But you really look at their offense specifically. Drew Locke, Philip Lindsay, who, and Melvin Gordon, which is a top three running back duo in the uh, league. And Philip Lindsay needs a lot more credit than he deserves. He's really underrated. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tyree Cleveland, Noah Fant, Albert O, Juwan James, Dalton Reisner, both of them in the offensive line. They also signed Glasgow in the offensive line as well. You look at their defense, Von Miller, uh, Simmons. They have a really nice team. They can stay, uh, they can stay healthy, and if um, Block is consistent, they're, they're going to be really tough in the league um, in years to come. You know, you know what? Um, I like. I think they're good. It's just when I say question marks, it's just because with Drew Lock, he's so he's just hit or miss. So if he can get his mechanics right, and here's um, we talked about this earlier, how we talked to Zach Taylor pitching in the hot seat. I honestly would not be surprised if you heard rumblings about Vic Fangio getting let go. I know they're not a horrible football team, and obviously that a lot of opt-outs and like injuries are like with Vaughn Miller or Cortland Sutton. But if you get a good offensive mind in that locker room, I think it changes things dramatically. Like if you like, they need a, I think a new school head coach. Like Vic, great defensive coordinator. It's just he's an older school mind. Like he's only a second year as a head coach ever, and he's I believe sixty two or sixty three. So if they can find someone that's younger and you know what, like knows more of an offensive game, I think that will just only help propel the Broncos. Not a knock on Vic. I'm just saying, hey, if the Broncos want to win, I think it's the move they got to do. Yeah, I mentioned how I wanted the Bengals to get Mike Zimmer if he was fired. But people who are currently could potentially get it, I want the Bengals to get Joe Brady the most. I mean, he was a, with LSU, made Burrow look so good. But the way you were talking about that and the way you mentioned a new school coach and with the Broncos offense, I don't see anybody better option, a, a better option than Joe Brady for the uh, uh, Broncos. Yeah, no, Brady would be great. Like you see this year, like even like, let's just talk about it on the side of the ball, Carolina who is a team that no one really expected to win any games, and they're, I know they're four, I believe four and nine after yesterday. Uh, let me just pull, pull up the standings quickly, or box score. Yeah, they're four and nine, but you know what? Like, this is a team that's surprised some people this year, and they've actually looked good, especially considering how they haven't had Christian McCaffrey all year, despite how they went defensive heavy in the draft last year. Joe Brady's really making the case for a head coaching gig in the NFL. You're 100% right, and I think that it's like, that's what I meant. Like, look, if you get Joe Brady with the Denver Broncos, they're right up there with Vegas and like that whole AFC West, especially too, we'll get to the Chargers later. That whole AFC West could be a very good division for years to come. It's just I think you gotta get the right coach in Denver. That's all. Yeah, you mentioned the jumping the uh 
close to Las Vegas, I think they jumped the Chargers and the Raiders. Like, I'm going into the season, I was high on the Bengals, but the highest team I was on the whole year was the Broncos. I thought they were going to have a 10 win season, but like I said, injuries, opt out, opt outs kind of hurt them. But, um, if you get Joe Brady, that would be amazing. And you mentioned Carolina. They have four wins. Going into the year, I only had them getting two wins. But Joe Brady's done a great job. Somebody else has done a great job is Matt Rule. I don't think anybody really expected them uh, him to be so good. I know they don't have a whole lot of wins, but he has he's coached 13 games this year, his first year ever being head coach in the NFL, and he already has as many wins as that Taylor does his whole career. But, I mean, Matt Rule, you look at the Carolina, they're – their roster is not even that good. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's been out the majority of the year, but they're winning some games. He has a really, really bright future in the NFL, and I think the Panthers also could be pretty good uh, in the years to come if they have Matt Rule as their head coach. Exactly, and also to the fact that Dave Tepper gave so much money to Matt Rule just put pressure on him to do so well because he's a rookie head coach getting $7 million a year, which for a head coach, it's a lot of money. So you know what? For the fact that he's living up to the potential, it only helps – make the cause of why the Carolina Panthers can be a good team going forward. I uh, just wanted to shift gears here to the the, uh, oh, the next game is Dallas versus Bengals, but we could be talking about that for two hours. Uh, next up on the docket, we have got Kansas City defeating Miami 33-27. to um, The Chiefs, to me, I know they, they've won, but the Dolphins are good, but I don't think they're as good as people think. But to me, this game kind of proved the Chiefs are beatable because the Dolphins aren't the best team in the division. The Bills are the best team in the division. The Dolphins, I don't even know if they're – I don't think they currently have a playoff spot. I, I could be wrong, but I, I to me, this kind of proved the Chiefs are beatable. They're not – they're good. They're not as good as people expect. And the thing that kind of uh, I saw that was interesting is I believe Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions, and you don't see people talking about that. I know they won. But, you know, ESPN, NFL Network talks about him so much. There needs to be a time where people – I mean, he's had a phenomenal year. Like, he's top of the MVP uh, candidates for sure. But he had a pretty bad game. But um, he's he needs to stay consistent for order the Chiefs to win. And they have to have a perfect game if they want to beat a team like the Saints, Packers, or Bills, or something like that. But it was it was a pretty good game. And um, I'm excited for the Dolphins. I mean, two has done pretty good. And Fitzpatrick done good with Miami. But um, to me, this proved that the Chiefs are beatable. No, that's what it proved to me, too. That Like, look, like Bill Belichick, because also to remember, Brian Flores is a Bill Belichick disciple. And the two times that Brian played, the, the Patriots played the Chiefs when Flores was defensive coordinator, both times the Patriots managed to stymie Patrick Mahomes. But I just want to bring to you a quote. For, i got to find it. A quote from uh, Jeff Darlington that says, so basically, these days, mediocrity from the Chiefs needs to be met with perfection from the opponent. Otherwise, ball game. And I agree with that quote just because, look, if you notice the Chiefs are off their game, you got to capitalize. If you don't capitalize like Miami didn't do, you're just going to let Kansas City creep right back in there. And we were talking, I, I agree with that 100%, but we were talking about some coaches like Matt Rule could be good or Joe Brady would be with the team. you got young coaches around the league. For the coaches who have not been in the playoffs before, as a head coach, to me, 100%, uh, Flores is the best head coach in the league who has not been in the playoffs and is not even close. He's done a fantastic job, and Miami has a fantastic future with him, uh, with Flores, and I think they could potentially win a Super Bowl. Um, 
what while Flores is their head coach. Oh, 100%. I agree with that, too. Like, I want to see good from Flores, obviously, but though the Patriot fan of me wants to see the Dolphins suffer. But that's just not the reality of it all. I can't think like a fan. i got to think like a realist. Um, but with Flores, Flores, too, is straight up, I will say, is a coach of the year candidate. There's a few others, and I have my pick, which I'll get into later. But with Miami, though, like, I feel like there's... there. Oh, by the way, I did check. They are seventh right now, so they're just on the verge of making the playoffs. But even though they've got New England this coming Sunday, New England six and seven, they don't have an easy schedule left on the year because they play New England, then they play Vegas in Vegas on, on Saturday primetime, and then they play the Bills week 17, which... Those games right there, either I think Miami's either got to get punched in the mouth to kind of like, you know, the whole you got to get knocked down to get back, like to get back up again. I think that's got to happen, or somehow, you know what, if Miami can run the table and make it to the playoffs, potentially either play spoiler or not be an easy out, I think is the route they're going to go. Is that Bill's game at Buffalo or at Miami? At Buffalo. See, that that's a big part. Um, I know some teams don't really have fans, but uh, you mentioned the Dolphins play the Patriots. That's on an easy one. I don't care who the Patriots are playing. I know they're down this year. You can't write out Belichick and the Patriots, regardless of maybe how this season uh, hasn't really been great. Um, who was the other team you mentioned? Uh, Vegas. But one thing I wanted to get into, after the Chargers game, Belichick is also 19-5 and career all-time against rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, that's that's absolutely crazy. And you you said you mentioned Raiders. Yes, I was hunting the Raiders for a couple of weeks. The Raiders are the most inconsistent team in the NFL, and nobody comes close at all. The Raiders have beaten the Saints this year. The Raiders have beaten the Chiefs this year. The Chiefs only lost. And just a couple of weeks ago, the Raiders on Sunday Night Football was a minute away from defeating the Chiefs and sweeping the Chiefs. With a win over the Saints, the following week they lose to the Falcons, forty-three to six. They lose this week, this past week to the Colts. They're just they're inconsistent. And that Buffalo game, you look at teams, and you know, you being a Patriots fan, I mean, the Patriots have lost games at Miami that you know you don't really expect to lose towards the end of the season. And if this game was at Miami, I think the Dolphins could win, but I think the Bills ruin that one. But um, it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, Miami, the final three games. It really is, because there's a friend of mine who I've had on here several times, uh, Big Rap, for those of you wondering. Uh, he told me at the beginning of the year he didn't have big expectations for the Dolphins just because I feel like he thought that last year was kind of like they overexceeded what they were going to do so that this year he wouldn't have been shocked if they had like been as bad. Like, I thought they were going to be like, you know, 6-10, 7-9, kind of like where the Broncos are right now. But the fact that they've exceeded expectations only helps them in the long run. But with Miami, though, like it's going to be interesting to see how these four games go. But I, like, I, I, I have a rant ready for the Raiders when we talk about their game because they <laughs> they made an interesting decision uh, yesterday. So you know, um, but we'll get to that in a little bit because there's two other games I want to talk about. One being Arizona versus the Giants. Do, can we talk about inconsistent as well? You said Raiders, man, the Giants. That's like I don't know how they went from beating Seattle in Seattle handedly to getting their butts kicked by the Arizona Cardinals. The next. Well, I was telling somebody earlier today, and really thinking about it, just really popped to my head. Um, Jalen Hurts played really good yesterday against the Saints. Um, I, you know, you didn't really expect Hurts to play great, 
But if you really think about it, it's not surprising that he played good because nobody really had much film on him in the season because there was no preseason. When the Giants defeated the Seahawks, Colt McCoy's first start in I don't even know how long, people didn't really have much film because he's not played in forever. I know he played the week prior to second half against the Bengals, but that's not really enough film to watch for a quarterback you're going to be facing. And McCoy is not somebody who's great. He's a game manager at the absolute best. But um, I feel like that's kind of part of the reason the Seahawks won. Uh, excuse me, the Giants won. I think the Seahawks were overrated, um, too. But I think they didn't really know what to expect from McCoy. And I just think, I mean, the Cardinals are a good team. Um, they have a great offense, have a good defense. Hassan Reddick was crazy yesterday. Five but sacks. I think they, yeah, five sacks. I believe three, four stumbles. And, um, yeah, I, I believe the Cardinals just kind of figure out Colt McCoy. And they expected uh, what he was going to do. And that was their game plan. And it worked out for Arizona. Um, it's going to be interesting this Sunday, though, with Arizona, because they do have Philadelphia Hurts against Murray. It's going to be a fantastic matchup. Um, Arizona's a team that, like, I, I, I quasi am a fan of. Like, I really like Kyler Murray. I, like, I pegged I them in March. I said they're going to be a wild card team. There's just something about them. But you know how I said earlier Miami, I think, has to get, like, pun- maybe get punched in the mouth to kind of learn from it? I wouldn't be shocked here if Arizona, because Arizona, too, between Philly, San Fran, and L.A., if they miss the playoffs, I honestly don't, and Cardinal fans do not come after me for this, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world, or even, too, if they played wild card and, like, lost to, say, New Orleans or Green Bay, where I think it's one of those things where, hey, you can learn from this. Like, they've got a bright future. I think they just have to tweak their offensive line a little bit and add some more... uh, run stuffers to the uh, defensive line. Like, I obviously know Chandler Jones is out, but... And also, too, they need a solid tight end. That's the only other thing. Besides that, though, the Arizona Cardinals have a bright future considering Cliff Kingsbury was heavily questioned when he got hired two years ago. Yeah, that was very questionable decision. Uh, decision. You look at Chandler Jones, he's not playing this year because he got hurt, but the, I picked him to win my defensive player of the year. And he's been phenomenal the past three years. I believe he has over 46 sacks. So that's over one sack a game. Yeah. And um, the Cardinals, if they're in the playoffs and if they lose, that could be a learning point. And you know what? We're going to be really good next year. But if the Cardinals get in the playoffs, I don't care who they're playing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat them. And especially if it be with a Saints example, um, if Breeze is still out because I don't think Taysom Hill is going to be the future of the Saints. Uh, I mean, they didn't play good yesterday against the Eagles. Failed to score points against Philadelphia. But um, I think if the Cardinals are in the playoffs, they're that one team in the NFC, that, like the lower seed, that you got to watch out for. You, you know, exactly. I like. I think Arizona is in the same category as Miami, though, where like if they make the playoffs, they're not going to be an easy out. You can see them either, you know what, taking a team to the brink or potentially upsetting. I 100% agree with you on that. I'm just saying that, hey, you know what? If they may have to get a hard reality check to kind of look at themselves in the mirror and go, hey, we got this close this year. Let's regroup, refocus, and you know what? We're going to add some pieces in the offseason and the draft to only get better going forward. And also, that's another potential Coach of the Year candidate I had is Cliff Kingsbury. It's just I think I would give Brian – if I had to pick between him and Flores, I'd give the slight edge to uh, Brian Flores. Yeah, and you mentioned the Dolphins, and we talked about it before. But something I just kind of realized is that you mentioned the Dolphins, but the Bills, the final game of the regular season. Yes. And the Chiefs 
They're going to have the number one seed in the AFC. And the Steelers, they're not, they are currently number two, but they're not going to be number two because they're going to lose at least one more game because they have to play the Colts and the Browns. The Bills could be the number two seed. You could see back-to-back weeks the Bills for the Dolphins. That would be really interesting to see. Oh, it would be for sure. And then, like, Miami wouldn't even have to leave Western New York. Um, yeah. Just moving on here to Minnesota versus Tampa Bay. And, look, I love Tom Brady. I do that. But I and he's my fa- he'll be always be my favorite player of all time. But... Man, there's just something about them that, like, I think they're this year's Cleveland Browns in the sense of, look, how everyone had Cleveland, like, oh, they're going to make the playoffs. They potentially could go to the Super Bowl. That's Tampa this year because, like, I love Brady, but there's just sometimes where I question them and go, man, what the hell are they doing? Like, this is a game where they, they looked good, but then they kind of only won because Dan Bailey decided to bring out his inner Blair Walsh. Yeah, I'm going in the year. I obviously, you know, expect the Buccaneers to do good. I didn't think they were going to be as good. And, you know, Brady's declined some. But they're just so inconsistent, like I said, with the Raiders. Um, the Buccaneers, I mean, they lost to the Bears. I know that was during the Chicago's win streak. But I don't care who the Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers played the playoffs. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, they could possibly lose. And um, I, I don't understand them. I know it's happened a couple months ago. I don't understand them saying Antonio Brown. I mean, you already weren't uh, exceeding your expectations at that point. You were kind of surprised at how uh, bad you were. Even though your team's not bad, your record's not bad. You just expected to play better. But I did not understand them signing Antonio Brown at all. Even now, to like the Leonard Fournette signing, like he's only had I think two good games. Like besides, like he was a healthy scratch yesterday. Um, I believe the Antonio Brown signing with Brady, like. I called bullshit when Arian said, oh, we did it because our wide receiver room was depleted. I'm like, no, Bruce. He did it because Tom went to Jason Light's office and said, I want to sign him. But in reality, they didn't need him. Like, you have Godwin, you have Evans. But then you have Scotty Miller, who I called back in, like, March, saying he's going to be a weapon for Brady. Why? Because Brady, like, loves throwing at guys like that. Short, white slot receivers. Like, hello, has no one figured this out yet? Uh, yeah, um, another thing, I mean, you weren't, you weren't playing bad, you were just, weren't exceeding expectations, and you have Miller, Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, I mean, Fournette, um, LaShawn McCoy, even though uh, McCoy's not what he used to be. Ronald Jones. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's so many people, but you, San Antonio Brown, that was risky, because you, you're, it's a question mark, because, I mean, you can ruin your locker room with a guy like that. And I, I just did not understand that. I know Brady wanted them, but that's one of those situations where, you know, we're not playing great, but I don't think we should sign that guy and risk us playing worse. You, you know what? It's, like, right, like, they do it for ego, but at the same time, too, like, and I, I'm going to love this, though, where ESPN, like, in a month from now, like, say if the Bucs get eliminated from the playoffs in the wild card round, and everyone's going to go, oh, do they fail expectations? And, and, like, the public, and they're going to go, yeah, you know what, they didn't play as good as we thought they were, and everyone who like, can breathe and is watching ESPN on the daily is going to go, you guys had them going to the Super Bowl when there's teams like the Saints, the Seahawks, and the Packers, who we all predicted at the beginning of the season, that they're going to go to the Super Bowl already. So they just shot themselves in the foot. When Brady signed with the Buccaneers, oh, they're going to the Super Bowl. They're 
won a Super Bowl. They signed Krawczyk. Oh, they're definitely going now. He's not playing a year. I mean, this past year he had more WWE championships than he had pass catches. <laughs> I, uh, um, I just I didn't understand the hype of them, and I just oh Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. What if they don't win? Oh, they'll bounce back next year. Brady's getting older. He's only aging, and he's only going to decline. This is definitely a Super Bowl year or bust for the Buccaneers. But everybody on ESPN, you know, they're going to be so good. But if they don't win, you don't you don't need to like sugarcoat it. You need to just blunt. They weren't good. You don't need to make excuses. They have just been failing expectations so much. One hundred percent. And also, too, just a quick score update: the Browns, uh, Nick Chubb, just scored a touchdown, so it's seven nothing Cleveland at the moment, which is good for me. Uh, I know you hate the Browns, but I need the Baltimore to lose. Who do you, who do you um, who did you have winning that game? I bet Cleveland to be honest. Like, it, there's some, there's just something about them that like, I don't know what it is. Also, too, I just, I just don't like the Ravens. Also, yeah, I um, I picked the Browns well, uh, Browns as well. I don't like Cleveland. They're probably the second team in the league I hate the most. I just not trying to be biased, but there's just sometimes you got to be. But um, I mean Ravens, they're overrated. I mean, when the Bengals, everyone talks about how bad the Bengals' offense is this year and how bad they are. When the Bengals played Lamar Jackson early in the year, I believe the Ravens won 27-3. to But in that game, Lamar Jackson had three rush yards. I hate, hate, hate the Lamar Jackson hype. I don't understand it. You take the running ability away from him, he's, he's maybe average. He don't have a good arm. He's not accurate. And, um, I mean, the way the Browns are playing – I, I fully expect the Browns to win, and, and I know you mentioned it's 7 nothing. I wouldn't be surprised if that game's a blowout. You know what? I don't win either. And also, one thing I want to say about the Ravens is when Marshall Yonder retired, I called that a big loss for the Baltimore Ravens. Because people don't realize how big it is when you lose a key guard or tackle on your roster. Like, look, they lost him, and then Ronnie Staley got paid, but then he tore, like, not tore, he's like really, I think he broke his ankle. Um, And then even, too, like, I remember... I have a buddy who was a Ravens fan who was bitching at me after the Patriots beat them on Sunday Night Football, and I'm just like, yep, 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 that 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 sucks for you. I don't care. But like Baltimore, too, like even with Baltimore, it's so, so weird. It's like when they sign Clayus Campbell or they trade from, excuse me, I'm like, oh god, that's a huge signing for them. But then they like got off to this hot start, but then they just kind of like flamed. Like I honestly think that, and this happened with uh, Greg Roman before. Because if you got, for those of you who don't remember, Greg Roman was Colin Kaepernick's offensive coordinator in San Francisco. And, like, remember at first Kaepernick was, like, this offensive explosion and then out of nowhere, like, his play started to go down. We're seeing a similar trend with Lamar right now where, look, if you can figure out how to shut down their offense, which a lot of teams have been doing, you can beat them no problem. Everyone talked about last year. Oh, he's a top three quarterback. He's better than Wilson. He's better than Rodgers in my home. He's the best quarterback in the league. This is bold. I don't care. This is really how I feel. Right now, Lamar Jackson's the worst quarterback in the AFC North. No, I'm not talking about Brandon Allen or Finley. I'm just having the four normal starters. I'm including Burrow in that, even though he's not currently playing. But Lamar Jackson's 0-2 in the playoffs. Let's say the Ravens get to the playoffs. They're not winning. They're going to be 0-3. It's time for the Ravens to trade or get rid of Jackson. My opinion, you're never going to win a championship with Jackson. He's one-dimensional, and if you stop the run, you're not losing. If you're up 10 points against the Ravens, you're not going to lose. They're like a, they're like a team you take 10 minutes to run the ball. I mean, they take time regardless if they're losing or not. 
And that um, Patriots game, the final possession, they had the ball uh, at the 20 with one minute left. It was raining, which, if anything, that should help them because they're a one-first team. But one minute left, you have the 20. Instead of Lamar Jackson throwing the ball 15, 20 yards for an out route, he's scrambling for an eight-yard run and taking time off the clock. They would never win a championship they, with Lamar Jackson. They threw a, a slant route to Dobbins on fourth down. Like, even I was going, what the hell are you doing? Like... <laughs> Exactly. I don't understand it. And I was talking to somebody the other day, and he's like, oh, dude, the only reason Lamar Jackson doesn't throw is because he doesn't have a good wide receiver. What? He's got, That's just crazy to me. He's got Hollywood Brown. He's got Willie Sneed. Um, he has Mark Andrews, who I know is a tight end, but he still is a good receiver. I will also say this. Losing Hayden Hurst was bigger for that team than people think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he, he was a really good blocker, too. And Mark Andrews was a really great blocker. Those are the two, uh, when they came out, they were the top blocking tight ends when they came out. They had the three-headed like, monster. They they had the th- and also, too, I'm going to say one more thing about Baltimore before we move on to the next game, which is my uh, Raiders rant. But, uh, what was I going to say? Like, even last year, too, how with, uh, oh, you have this three-headed monster tight end, but it's like that that's gone, and then... Man, there's just so much question marks with the team. And also, that's the only thing I was going to say with Baltimore. I always said, they can do whatever they want the regular season. They have to win in January to impress me. And right now, it doesn't look very unlikely that they win in January. Yeah, the Bengals, on the five star, I know I keep talking about the Bengals. I'm, I'm not too many biased. You're, you're a Bengals fan. Go ahead. I mean, you compare stuff. The Bengals won the five straight games in the playoffs, and they lost the five. But after the first two, Oh, it doesn't matter until they win the playoffs. It doesn't matter when they play until they win in the playoffs. I know you just said that, but when are people from ESPN and NFL Network going to start realizing that that Lamar Jackson does not elevate players? If anything, he just holds people back. And the person that said that you know he's not good because he has a good wide receiver. If Hollywood Brown had a uh, quarterback like Rodgers, he would be a top ten and fifteen quarterback in the uh, excuse me wide receiver in the league. And he would have similar numbers like Metcalf and AJ Brown are having. And Gus Johnson, um, Dobbins, Mark Ingram, you're drafting um, Justice Hill. You're drafting fourth-string running backs in the middle of the round. They're a run-first team, and run-first teams don't win in the NFL. And they are they're, uh, lower, they're not playing as good as people expect them to play, but I'm not surprised that the Ravens are doing uh, this bad goal. Yeah. There's no way I don't want to like I can't disagree with that. Like you're right because and you also want to have Hollywood Brown sending out tweets about like the whole oh I'm a, like the soldier th- like something about being a soldier but then like not getting the ball. Basically, there's like an underlining message of not getting the ball. Um, now it's on to the Colts and Raiders, who this I don't get because look we have a weird trend going on right now. The Raiders beat the Jets. Greg Williams gets fired, deservingly so. Then the Raiders turned around and fired Paul Gunther, who you obviously know. When you have your next game in three days, I don't get it. Like, did Gunther say some, like, under like comment under his breath towards Gruden and the two of them, like, got into a shouting match like Mark Colombo did with Joe Judge? Like, I don't get how you fire a defensive coordinator. I understand, like, look, it may have been right for him to go. I don't understand how you do it on a short week, especially, too, when you know what? Your playoff lives are on the line right now. Yeah, I mean, he gave up over 40 to the Falcons. I believe he gave up over 40 to the Colts. And I understand there'll be frustrations with your defense. But you're technically not out of the playoffs yet. 
So I don't understand why they'd fire him when there's still a chance they can get in the playoffs when you're having another guy take over with just uh, three games left. Yeah, like, uh, it's Rodman and Nelly taking over, so they can be confident. But you know what? Like, it's like I said, you, you're you on a short week. Like, if you want to fire Gunther, do it Thursday night after the game because you have eight days to get ready for the Miami Dolphins. You're literally having Rod Marinelli come in with three days' notice to get ready for the L.A. Chargers. Now, I know the L.A. Chargers are the L.A. Chargers, but this is just something I don't understand. Like, I feel like, oh, like Vegas, like, they, their Vegas is too, like you said earlier, they're a model of inconsistencies of how, like, look, they beat the Saints, but then the Patriots made them look pedestrian, and then they lose to the Bills. And then, you know what, like you said, they beat the Chiefs, and they almost beat the Chiefs again on Sunday Night Football. Like, they win that game. This is a very different Vegas team that we're talking about. But the, ever since that game, they got their butts whooped by the Falcons. They should have lost to the Jets. And then they got their butts whooped by the Colts. It was 44-7. 44-27, by the way. Yeah, the um, after that Chiefs lost, I put to something. I said, I don't care that the Raven, uh, excuse me, the Raiders lost. To me, that proved that they could potentially be a Super Bowl contender. Because they beat the Chiefs once, nearly beat them again. And ever since that game, they have, I don't even know what has happened with them. Very, very disappointing the past several weeks by the Raiders. Um, I want to talk about the Colts now, and I have a hot take for you. I honestly think this is a team that has the potential to go to a Super Bowl. I am not afraid to admit that. I think they can challenge Kansas City, and I think they can challenge Buffalo too. I am not afraid to admit it. I have liked this Colts team, even though Phillip Rivers is that quarterback who you will hate one play, but the next play you love him. The one message with this team, though, is right now, they're healthy. T.Y. Hilton looks like the T.Y. Hilton that he looked like with Andrew Locke. And, like, they're getting everyone involved. And plus, too, Jonathan Taylor looks like he's back in Wisconsin right now. Yeah, I think if if the Colts had prime Phillip Rivers, they would 100% be two-world contenders. And I think they are, to me, I think there's three contenders in the AFC, maybe four. Uh, the Chiefs, the Bills, Colts, and I'd probably throw the Titans in there. To me, this is the four teams who could contend for a Super Bowl. But, um, you know, the, the Colts are playing really good right now. They're one of the best defenses in the league. And the way their offense is playing, it's, it's going to be super hard to beat them regardless of who you are. You know, exactly. Because, like, if, I also said to the health part earlier, but I'm only saying they can contend for a Super Bowl because obviously they can't because they're probably going to make the playoffs. But... Also, I want to throw that. Also, I agree with you too. If this was Philip Rivers, if this was 2010 Philip Rivers, I would not question them making the Super Bowl. But there is one quarterback I think they may be eyeing for next year Carson Wentz. I'm not afraid to say it. I think that if, you know what, if Doug Peterson were to come or Howie Roseman comes out and says, you know what, Carson's job's safe for next year, that's only going to entice people more to trade for them. And what's stopping, and also too, Frank Wright was with Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate. So if you have Carson get a fresh start in Indianapolis with all the weapons he's got around him, that's a team that could be good for years to come. I'm not afraid to say that. I know Carson's looked bad as of, as of late, but I honestly think that him going to the Colts will be a rejuvenation for his career. That's a um, that's a great take. That's, to me, you look at all the teams that Wentz could go to, I think that's the one that makes sense because Philip Rivers signed a one-year contract with the Colts. I know they have uh, Brissett, who's still in the roster. He's making a lot, but they can cut him or something. They get Wentz. I think there's, I think there's a normal contender next year because they played great with Frank Wright. 
and um, the offensive line is good. The defense is good. He's, he don't have the wide receivers and his talent around the offense isn't bad. They're good, much better than uh, with the Eagles. Uh, with if, if Wentz was with the Colts, he wouldn't be asked to do as much like he is with the Eagles. Uh, I I think that would be really great if by Indianapolis if they do that. You're gonna hate this. Uh, Lamar Jackson just got a five yard rushing touchdown. We got a tie game right now in Cleveland, so just wanted to update you on that. But like, look, I, I like look, we can focus on the whole Carson Wentz situation later on. But I only wanted to say that. But look, with this. Uh, with the Colts, though, like, look, if Phil Rivers can be consistent, because like you said earlier, they have left the, they have this, I know they have the Steelers and the Jaguars, but then they have the Texans this coming Sunday, and they're already a seven and a half point favorite to open up. So we'll see what happens, but this is a Colts team that, hey, they could easily win out and finish 12 and four. And from last year when they were pretty, pretty uh, mediocre, to say the least. So look, this is a team that I think they control their own destiny, and they're, they're, Excuse me. They are their own worst enemy. If they went out, you do not want to play them. No, a team at all. Like if they went out, they then they. I mean, I think they're a Super Bowl a Super Bowl contender right now. But if they went out, you look at the teams. You don't want to play the Packers. You want to play the Chiefs, and then you don't want to play the Colts. Like they would be dangerous. Exactly. Um, next game on the docket. What I see here. Seahawks blow out the Jets 40-3. I think that's all we really need to know. Probably the most awkward six-hour plane ride home from Seattle back to New York. So let's move on to the Packers versus the Lions, where the Packers honestly had a bit of a scare here because the Lions always seem to give them a bit of a scare at Ford Field. But at the end of the day, you know what? Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and he's he's always Mr. Reliable, if you will. I wasn't surprised that this was close at all. I was talking to somebody. I, I said the Lions are either going to win or the Packers are going to win by 30. It's, I mean, every time they play the Lions, and each year it kind of looks like the Detroit ups, ups in one year. But um, to me, I mean, Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league this year. I don't think it's close. The Packers are the best. I think they're the best team in the NFC right now. And especially with the Saints having Taysom Hill, but once the Saints get Breeze back, I, then I think it's debatable. But, um, I mean, the Packers are just so good. I know they only have won by one possession against the crappy um, Lions team, but I know they play down to the competition, but you don't want to play the Packers when it comes to playoff time. Especially if they get the one seed and you know what, the NFC has to go through Lambeau Field. No one wants that because, look, you're not going to want to go there because when it's like 50, like I obviously know I'm in Canada, you're in the States, so you're Fahrenheit, I'm Celsius, but when it's like like, below 30, Aaron Rodgers can still make plays. Like, I don't trust, like, a warm-weather team to go up there and get the win. I know I, I, know I mentioned the Cardinals. Um, or a team like, for, uh, that they can make a run. But, an example, I mean, look at the Cardinals. They're playing, like, 80 to 90, even 100-degree weather and practices throughout the summer. Then you go in to Wisconsin in the, um, in the um, winter. 20 degrees, 10 degrees, It's that's going to be really difficult if a team like that has to play. Oh, 100%. That's why I just wanted to get that off my chest while we were talking about it. But, like, I about this game as a whole, though, look, like, you know what, like we said, it's a close game, but then against the divisional opponents you don't know what to expect. Um, just want to move it along here quickly. Um, Atlanta and L.A., these are, like, two teams who should get to play each other once a year because this was just such a wacky game where, like, Herbert had in the red zone, interception. Matt Ryan had in the red zone, interception. Like, 
these two teams need to play each other all the time. I don't. I, I that's what the seventeenth game. I think the NFL should do is you play one team a year that you never get. Like you play like one random outer conference opponent a season. Yeah, I mean that was a really interesting game. Uh, mistakes by both teams and the Chargers ended up winning. And I mean we talked about upsetting upset teams, kind of like the um, Buccaneers. Really thought the Falcons would be so much better than they are this year. I mean, I'm really, really disappointed in Atlanta. I thought they were going to be a playoff team this year and potentially be even candidates to win the NFC South. I mean, they, they ended on a really high note last year, going six and two. You add uh, Gurley, a apparently a consistent running back, and it's just not been the year for Atlanta like I expected it to be. Oh, 100 percent, but. Look, they have a promising future ahead of them, but like it's going to be one of those things, like I said before, they control their own fate going forward, so we'll see who they hire a coach. We'll see if they can, you know what, add some pieces, if they can stay healthy. So we'll wait and see what happens with them. Uh, next up, we have the Saints and Eagles, where we talked about this earlier, where they didn't have any film on Jalen Hurts, so they didn't know what to expect. They kind of looked like they prepared for Wentz, though, and Hurts abused the run-pass option. But the one thing I want to point out about this game is Hertz's pocket awareness, the fact that I think he only got sacked once yesterday, shows just, like, how well he knew that, hey, look, people were coming after him, and that, look, hey, I think Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the future in Philly, no questions. When I saw Hurts yesterday, he was, to me, the Mark Jackson 2.0, um, less, af- less athletic, about the same passer, but I just don't, I mean, he's good, but I feel like a lot of that had to do with no film. But, um, I, I mean, I, I really don't know. I don't think – I mean, he could be good, but I, I don't know. I think teams are going to figure out him quickly, like teams are doing that with Baltimore now, which Jackson. Oh, 100%. I just wanted to add that in, that part in really quickly about uh, everything I think with Hurts. Like, yeah, like, he has potential, but it's a wait and see. But I think if the Cardinals can play, not the Cardinals, the Eagles can play decent down the stretch, he's saving Doug Peterson's job, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think this game might have even saved it. They could, they have three games left, but if they win one game, people might say you get fired. But I think this game in particular, one of the uh, top three team in the league, I think this saved his job. And the fact, too, that, you know what, they had him run for, I believe, 106 yards and Miles Sanders run for 115, like, that was the most they've ran in a very long time. Like, they actually trusted their running back instead of trusting Wentz to throw. Yeah, the Saints did not allow a 100-yard rusher in over three years. In this game, they allowed two. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty good game. It's going to be really interesting to see where Hurts does the final three games. Exactly. And the one thing I want to say about the Saints is, and people may think I'm crazy for this, but you know what? I honestly don't think this loss is going to hurt them. I think it only helped them because, look, the last few years, every time we have a team like kind of prance into January, like look at Baltimore last year, fourteen and two, hadn't lost a game since September. What do they do? They got their doors blown out against Tennessee in the divisional round. So, I think this game can only help the Saints further in the playoffs and kind of add to like that whole. Obviously, look, they have their demons that they have to deal with from the last three seasons, but losing in December honestly is not the worst thing. Trust me, I know. Yeah, for a team like them. You can really you know more about yourself after a loss. You can you can come together. You can win out, and then the playoffs times you win those final couple games. And it comes to playoff time. Doesn't matter who you are. You don't want to play 
a team like that because they're red hot and there's not a better team than them. And if Breeze comes back, I mean, I know they lost, but this, like you said, this can be beneficial for New Orleans. Exactly. And um, that's all I have to say about that because, like, even to if they can go toe to toe with Kansas City and say, even if they end up losing, let's say, similar score to yesterday, like 27 to 24. I don't think teams are going to look at it as, oh, look, New Orleans has lost two in a row. It's like, hey, it's looking and saying, hey, if these two teams meet again, Andrew Brees is playing, because I think the report came out yesterday from Jay Glazer that Brees may not return until Christmas, so they're not in a rush to get him back. If they can go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs with Taysom Hill, I think that says a lot. And also, too, here's one thing I want to say. I think the Sean Payton for Coach of the Year award is something that should get more attention. Yeah, I mean, he's done really well without Breeze the last couple of years. And um, it's really crazy how done his, uh, well, how good he's done without a star quarterback. But yeah, I think he's definitely up there in Coach of the Year. But to me, I think, now this is if they win, the, if they win their division. If, he, if they don't win their division, then I don't think he should get it. I think Ron Rivera needs lots of credit. I mean, Washington's defense. They're, I know we talked about different teams who are going to be bright in the future. They get their quarterback this year, wait a year. Uh, they get a star quarterback in the offseason. Let's say they uh, shot the NFL world and sign Prescott. I think they're a Super Bowl contender next year. I'm really impressed with Washington. I mean, at the beginning of the season, it was announced that Rivera had cancer treatment and different things like that. Comes around, they are looking really good right now. Uh, they're doing way better than anybody expected. I've been really, really impressed um, with Roman Vera, but that, to me, I don't think that he should win the Coach of the Year if they win their division. But yeah, like you mentioned, Sean Payton should get lots of credit to it. Eight and one without Drew Brees is something not to like look, just look past. Um, that's like like you said too, just going to Washington quickly because they beat San Francisco yesterday. Um, two things I'm going to say: one, Chase Young, I think, solidified his rookie defensive rookie defensive player of the year award. And the yesterday's game proved how much. I think even though he's injured and inconsistent and they may not take him back, yesterday proved that, look, the Niners need Jimmy Garoppolo in the lineup because Nick Mullins is just not that good. Um, I don't think Mullins is as bad as people think, but he's definitely not, in my opinion, a starting quarterback. I think he's not a bad backup, just he's not a starting quarterback. Garoppolo, I have seen tons of people comment on different stuff. Um, lots of San Francisco fans love Zach Wilson BYU. And that will save the 49ers a lot of money if they cut Garoppolo. And, and I have, um, I can't remember their GM. John Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, he's a big fan of Zach Wilson. I would not be surprised if I mean, we don't even see Garoppolo play another game for the 49ers. I mean, you cut him, you save money. And with Zach Wilson, I'm really, really a big fan of him. I think that could be a potential NFL surprise in the offseason. Um, and I just want to add to that point because last year John Lynch did this too where, look, he could have paid DeForest Buckner. What do you do? Ship him off, no problem. Got Kinlaw from South Carolina. Kinlaw's looked great. So, like, that was a win-win trade for both teams, in my opinion. Just something I wanted to add on to. It was like, look, Lynch has done it before. Like, I just want to give a similar example. But, and also, too, the other reason why I think they move move on from Jimmy is just because they can get out this year without having to pay him anything. They can get out scot-free. Patriots. I know. I, that's, I, honestly, that's one team that, 
I have circled because a lot of people got that rumor started because when the Patriots played the Niners back in uh, October, Bill talked to Jimmy before the game, and that's something Belichick does not do a lot, and that's talk to opposing players. That that makes so much sense. I mean, if you get Garoppolo, you don't need to uh, have your mid-round pick on a quarterback, which I don't think they're going to do regardless if they get Garoppolo or not. You get a Garoppolo guy who knows Belichick and everything, they go from more than likely not going to the playoffs to they're going to be a playoff contender next year, and depending how well he does, potential Super Bowl contender. I mean, that's going to benefit New England if they do that. I think New England has to do that. And if you're the 49ers, you got to do that. Uh, that is that would be a win-win for both teams. I think so, too. It's just the health is a big question mark. But if you look at back at what Garoppolo and Brissett did when Brady was suspended for Deflategate, they went 3-1, and one, and the only reason they lost was because in the fourth game, Brissett was playing with a broken hand, and they lost 16 to nothing to Buffalo. So, And they also, like, that's just one thing I wanted to point out. But... Look, I can talk about the, what the Patriots can do all offseason. I didn't talk about the win just because like, they're lost because, like, there's nothing to talk about. Um, I just want to look see if we have any of the games to talk about. Oh, yes, we do. And I Pittsburgh-Buffalo, I don't think there's too much to say. It's just, look, if there was a game where Buffalo proved they belong, it's, yes, it was last night. Because defensively they played great. Josh Allen proved that he can get it done. And this pains me to say, but... Buffalo is a team that's going to be around for a long time if they can keep all their pieces. And also, too, if you had to put Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, who's going to get more of this offseason? I am taking Josh Allen 10 times out of 10. 100%. I'm taking an 80% healthy Josh Allen and 100% Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Oh, Jackson's doing this. Jackson's doing that. Look at the stats. Allen, his completion percentage may be down at times because, well, it's, he's throwing 60-yard passes instead of 6-yard slants. And you look at the Bills. To me, the game proved that the Bills are uh, contenders for the Super Bowl and further proved to me the Steelers are just a hype team. They're nothing more than that. And regardless of who they play in the playoffs, they're going to more than likely lose. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do think the Steelers can still win the North unless Cleveland... The only reason I can see them losing the North is look if Cleveland wins out, which is entirely possible because this coming Sunday night we have the Browns and the Giants, which if you had given me three options for Sunday night football games this week, I don't think I would have picked that one at the beginning of the season. But I was so happy when Dallas-San Francisco got removed from primetime because that game does not deserve the light of day on NBC. If they're healthy, yes. With Andy Dalton and Nick Mullins, hell no. Tell you a game who does not deserve prime time is the Bengals and the Steelers on Monday night. Nobody wants to see that. I mean, ESPN and NFL Number will, so they're going to talk about the Steelers. But that's going to be like a 45 to maybe three game. Like, I just, I don't understand why that game's on. And we mentioned the Browns, the Steelers, who win the AFC North. The Steelers still have to play the Colts. Yeah. If they lose the Colts, and if they lose the Browns, which right now that will happen in my opinion, um, I mean, that will be a tiebreaker. They could potentially have the same record. But um, um, the Steelers and the Browns, the Steelers currently have two losses, and the Browns have three. But regardless if the um, Browns will lose tonight to Baltimore, if the Browns beat in the final game, they would each have four losses, 
and, and I'm not sure about the um, division, but the Browns could still potentially um, win the AS North. And just a quick update for everyone at home, uh, for everyone listening, it is 7-7 at the end of the first quarter for that game. But both teams, the Steelers and the Browns, control their own destiny, in my opinion. Like, literally, you play how you want to play. And to your point earlier about the whole Monday Night Football thing, you know, I, I don't get why Thursdays and Mondays can't be flexed out. I understand, like, why, just because logistic, not logistically, but just for the teams. But if there's a game that you want to get flexed out, like, I think they need to start looking into that more often. Like, but do it, like, a month in advance when they announce, saying, like, hey, this, the Bengals and the Steelers are playing here. Because, like, I'm just looking ahead to this coming week. There's a few games you could put in that slot. Like, you could put Patriots-Dolphins in that Monday night spot instead. You could put, um, even two, Houston versus Indy. Uh, Chicago-Minnesota, even though they played Monday night earlier this year. Uh, there's all these games where, ye, like, I it's just, look, like I said, I wish they could flex out, but uh, we'll see what happens. And also, too, someone just texted me that, Actually, it was my guest last time, Matt Fonseca, that the Browns apparently missed a field goal just now. So, are they going to shoot themselves in the foot tonight? Like I said, control their own destiny and look what happens. Missed a field goal. It's going to be a great game. And it's going to be, I mean, I really think the Browns are going to win the AFC North. I know they're tired right now, and this game has a lot to do with their their final standings, with the AFC North standings. But, I mean, let's say the Browns, if they win their last couple games... I mean, like I mentioned with the uh, Chiefs and Packers, you don't want to play them either because they're on a hot streak. And I know they're they've not been playing um, as good against teams who are over five hundred, but you still got to take them seriously because they they're a really good team. Yeah. Also, too, one thing I want to point out quickly, just to add your Lamar Jackson stats. Uh, passing tonight, he is one for one with four yards thrown, and Baker is seven for eleven with sixty yards thrown. So that just take with that what you will. Um. The only other things like I wanted to get into quickly for uh, quickly with before we get into hot seats, I just wanted to shift the focus to college football because you're a big college football guy. Oh, Who yeah. do you? Do you I was going to ask you, not who's going to get in, but do you see anyone beating Alabama? You asked me three weeks ago where I said Florida for the SEC championship game. Yeah, no way that's happening. Yeah, that's not going to happen now. I mean the. Um, it's not. It's Alabama, one tier, another tier, another tier, another tier, and then that's the that's the other teams. Nobody's on their level right now. And the only teams any chance to me are Ohio State and Florida. And that's Florida would have to have an A plus defensive performance uh, this week in the SEC championship game. But um, those are the only two teams I, I think they have any possible chance of uh, winning against Alabama. But uh, no, I, I don't think really anybody's close. It's it's Alabama's to lose. I agree with you on that because I think that if they play Ohio State, look, Ohio State's defense does not look good this year. And if you had to ask me, like, hey, will Alabama and Ohio State will the score be? I would say it'd be a blowout for Alabama, honestly. Yeah, and lots of people say, well, should Ohio State be in the playoffs? You know, they're, they've not played nearly as many games um, as other teams like Clemson, Alabama, and Notre Dame, but um. Clemson has a loss, Ohio State doesn't. Uh, I'm not being biased as nice at all because I cannot stand the Ohio State. Uh, everybody I'm friends with and all of everybody around here is a big Ohio State fans, but I um, I think Ohio State should get in over Clemson because you're punishing Ohio State for players who had the virus, and they can't help that. 
but you're rewarding Clemson uh, because their quarterback had the virus and they lost, but you're rewarding them. Well, you're giving them an excuse. To me, Ohio State should be in the playoffs 100% over um, Clemson. And um, Cincinnati, I think, should be in the playoffs over Clemson. I know that sounds crazy. Would Cincinnati beat Clemson? No. But would Cincinnati beat Clemson without Lawrence like Notre Dame did? I think so. And if, if uh, there's ever a group of five team in the playoff, uh, gets in the playoffs this year, it's going to be Cincinnati. If Cincinnati does not get in the playoffs this year, there would never be a group of five team beating the playoffs. Do um, I think if if Clemson loses the ACC to Notre Dame, do you think, still think they get in? If, if Clemson loses Notre Dame? Yes. Oh, absolutely not. I think um, Ohio State will be in. But um, they're going to be in if they win, regardless. But if Notre, uh, Clemson loses, I think I don't know. I think since I don't think Cincinnati will get it. If maybe A and M, which they don't deserve it. I mean, they beat Florida by three points at a field goal at the end, a field goal at the end of the game, and that's your only average win or better. They got humiliated by um, Alabama giving up over fifty points. But um, I to me, I, I do. Um, college football rankings each week. I compare the actual ones to mine. And every single week I've done it, I've done it since uh, the day the college football committee started doing it each Tuesday. Every single time, I don't even have Clemson in my top six. I mean, tomorrow that's probably going to change with Florida losing, but Clemson is so overrated. Like, they, their only win they beat was Miami. And I have said on my podcast for months, Miami is the most overrated top 15 in the country. Uh, top 15 team in the country and nobody's even close they allowed over 750 yards to Notre Dame and Sam Howell when um getting up over at least over 60 points when when NC played Notre Dame they just allowed 17 points um I, I just and to me that kind of devalued uh Clemson's win against Miami and I think the committee should realize that that win's not nearly as good as people think and um Clemson's not nearly as good as people think um, one team I would love to see to make the playoff, but I doubt it happens, is Coastal Carolina. I'm kind of, like, jumping on that bandwagon. But, uh, what was I going to say? You know what, you made, you made some very good points about, like, look, who can get in. Like, even to Northwestern's another team I like to see makes some noise. But, honestly, I think, look, the playoff committee, I think, has their minds made up of who they want in. And they're going to stick to it because I, honest, and this is going to sound kind of BS, but I think they just do it just for ratings. Like, look. They know oh, that, look, yeah. if we have Alabama versus, even if, Cle- say if Clemson loses the ACC, they're going to drop to fourth. More than likely, Ohio State will beat Northwestern for the Big Ten, so they'll probably get the second or the third seed. So you'll probably have Ohio State versus Notre Dame, and then you'll have Alabama-Clemson, probably. I don't know who would be in the roles and who would be the Sugar Bowl, but I think they're just going to do it for ratings, because look, like you have New Year's Eve, you're going to have me hungover watching the games all day. I'm going to watch the Rose Bowl, I'm going to watch the Sugar Bowl on January 1st. But we'll see what happens. But like I say, I like I told you, I think the the committee, I think already knows who's getting in. It's just they gotta make the decisions more or less. It's like deciding who's like five to twenty five. Yeah, and you mentioned ratings, and you know A and M is currently fifth. And well, as of last week, and before we were losing, there were six that were gonna drop. But um, the committee loves the SEC, and I think like you talk about ratings, who is going to want to watch? A&M against – okay, this is only going to happen if Clemson loses or something insane happens. But who's going to want to see Alabama and A&M 
when Alabama defeated them, I believe it was 52 to 24, something along the lines of that. Or who's going to want to see Alabama and Cincinnati? Everybody, there's ne- there's there's never been a group of five team in the playoffs. People are going to want to tune in to that game. And everybody knows Alabama's going to win, but you're going to get people talking about it more than you ever have. You're going to get more viewers you have. Uh, you're going to get way more viewers for Alabama and Cincinnati than you would Alabama and A&M because that game's already been on once this year, and it was a horrible performance by the Aggies. And I think that game would generate a whole lot more money. It's like I said, though, I think the only people who would be interested in seeing a and in the playoff is people in College Station, Texas. Um, besides that, like, like it's like you said, look, they want to go for the teams that, look, have the most appeal. Like, why do you think that Disney just bought the rights to the SEC broadcasting in 2024, which, RIP to that great SEC on CBS Music, but thank, hopefully we get new commentators because I do not like Gary Danielson at all. Um... Just something about him seems very plain. Like, Brad Nestle, I don't have a problem with it. Just Gary Danielson, I think they need to get someone new in that booth. But, man, I, like, you're right. Like, every, it's just, it's all an SEC love fest. Like, the SEC will always be represented. That, like, why do you guys, like, why does the, everyone think that, like, oh, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 have such a hard time getting in? Well, besides the Big 12 not knowing how to play defense. But, like, the Pac-12's gone thrown in before out of pity with, like, well, the one time Oregon made it, and then the one time that Washington made it, and look what happened. They got stomped by Alabama in the Peach Bowl. So it's all about, like, they they just want to get, like, the big teams in there. Like like you said, sometimes, look, even this year, how they put players, like, games over players' health and safety. Like, obviously, college has done a much better job with the NFL than containing it. But even, too, Kevin Ward in the Big Ten, like, had to bend the rules, like, absolutely last minute just to get Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. Because imagine if they made the playoffs without even playing in the Big Ten Championship game. That would be horribly disrespectful to the other teams who could easily be in the playoff. That happened a couple of years ago. Alabama, uh, Georgia, um, they got in the playoffs when they were not even in their uh, conference championship game. And you look at teams in the group of five, like Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, Louisiana, all those teams are busting their butt. And all those three teams, to me, in my opinion, are at least top 15 teams. And you do not want to play them unless you're like a Alabama or Ohio State. But um, they have to play in their conference championship game and win it. Georgia wasn't even in it. And the SEC and Power Fives get so much more opportunities than Group of Fives. And we've mentioned about talking about Cincinnati, potentially playoffs, probably won't happen. To me, something that is so intriguing is, let's say Cincinnati gets into the playoffs, Coastal Carolina takes on Louisiana. I'm so excited for this game. Louisiana, their only loss is Coastal Carolina by three points. Louisiana beat... uh, Iowa State, who's currently ranked uh, seven or eight by seventeen points to begin the year. Coastal Carolina is undefeated. Whoever wins that game will get the um, New Year Six Bowl, and that's only if Cincinnati would um, the playoffs. But that game to me, that is going to be such an intriguing and fun matchup to watch. Uh, which game? Wait, who would you say was going to make it into a New Year Six? Was it uh, Coastal or was it Cincinnati? Uh, to me. Um, well, I want to say Cincinnati, but that's on the uh, Coastal Carolina and Louisiana game. To me, is just so important because let's say something crazy happens and Cincinnati gets in. Whoever wins that Sun Belt Championship game between Coastal and Louisiana is going to get the New Year's Six Bowl. Oh, I think yeah, like for sure. Col- like whoever wins, uh, yeah, that one should get in. 
But I'm looking right here at the Big 12 championship. Like, if Iowa State somehow went, like, I think somehow, Iowa State, I think, will beat Oklahoma because Oklahoma's having an off year. Um, if Iowa State wins the Big 12, like, what's stopping them from, like, they'll probably end up being in a New Year's Six, but they should at least get some consideration for the playoff because, like, I believe they're just, they're going to be, unfortunately, on the outside looking in because, like I said, how the big, the committee seems to neglect the, the, back, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, but I don't know. The committee has Iowa State in the top ten, but they have two losses, and one of those losses were to Louisiana by seventeen points. But the College Football Playoff Committee are degrading Louisiana just because they're a small school, and the fact that the Iowa State who has two losses that is ahead of Cincinnati, who is undefeated, is to me is just outrageous and further proves that this is all of the rankings are just power five bias. Oh, I totally blanked on earlier about you saying that. Uh, sorry, but yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the uh, rankings because, like, this is coming Sunday, December twentieth, which also happens to be uh, the host of your favorite podcast. If you're listening to this, hopefully it is your favorite podcast. And if it is, thank you very much. Uh, birthday. Uh, we'll see what happens coming Sunday at noon. But Saturday's gonna be an exciting day. Um, just moving on quickly because I actually had a fan question that came in earlier today from a fan of the show, uh, Randy Oscar at Roz three three five. He asked me basically saying question for the podcast, you and whoever you have on. Like I didn't come out and say you were going to be on, but I'll tweet about it after we're done. And once this is up and Randy comes in and says, do you like your team playing on Thursday and then watching the other teams play on Sunday or your team playing on Sunday? I like Sunday because let's say I want to watch my game. I could watch the one. And if my team loses, which being a Bingo fan, that's going to happen. Um, I can watch a game at four, and then I can watch another game at eight. If you if you have a Thursday night game, you're like let's say you get off work, or you do like some of your your college classes or whatever you do, you gotta wait all the way till eight p.m. to watch your game. And then by the time you're done, you're like, well, there's nothing else on. Like I just like Sundays more because there's more than just your game. You can be intrigued by other games too. I agree with that. You know what? For as much as I liked yesterday because I got to watch my team, unfortunately, get their asses kicked on Thursday night, um, and you get to watch Sunday stress-free, you know what? You're right. Like, Because, look, I can watch the Patriots play at 1, and then, look, whenever the game's done, no matter if they win or lose, 4 o'clock, you can find another game, or you can flip the red zone, and then you get Sunday night football. So I'm with you in that sense of, like, even to Thursday or even Monday where you're waiting all day for your team to play. Like, I'm at work. Like, last Thursday I was at work, like, waiting, and then I listened to, like, I listen to a bunch of podcasts that work football. Like I listen to Pro Football Talk, Dime Package, um, for Barstool Sports, and then you get home, and then you still have like three hours to wait before the game starts. Meanwhile, it's Sunday, you know what? You get up, you have breakfast, I turn on NFL Network, and then I turn on usually CBS or Fox, and then I watch the game, and then it's over with. Or even, two, if you play at 4, you know what? You watch the 1 o'clock games, watch your game at 4, and then, boom, you have Sunday Night Football. So... I'm with you. I prefer playing on uh, Sunday over a weeknight, even though playing on a weeknight is pretty special. And another thing, with uh, Monday night or Thursday, you got to have three hours of coverage, it seems like, and you've got to waiting and waiting and waiting for your game. And if you, and if you your team loses, you wait the whole time just to lose, and you, you kind of peed off. But if, with Monday, uh, Sunday, like I mentioned, you just watch all the games, too. To me, it's uh, Sundays are much more... Um, uh, intrigued by me, especially being a Bengal fan, because every time we're on prime time, it loses. So that kind of has a lot to do with it too. Hey, back, you guys had that great backdoor cover week two against the Cleveland Browns. I remember. Um, quickly wanted to ask you this, but because we're um, uh, like, just want to ask you a couple things. 
If you had to name five coaches besides Adam Gase, obviously, who you think are going to be gone at the end of the year, who do you think they are? Who do I think or who do I should? That kind of has a that's a big factor. Should who who you think should get fired? Let's refer, let's rephrase that. Well, I think Gabe should be fired, but on my rankings, he should not. He's he's not number one. Taylor would be number one. Gase would be two. Um, I'm trying to think here. This is this, this is going to take a minute. Um, Doug Marone. I don't remember the Falcons coach name. Raheem Morris. Yeah, he'll probably get um, gone at the end of the year because he was an interim coach. So they'll 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 get a new guy. Um, think this is a tough one. I'm gonna. Uh, um, what's his face? Uh, Cornell for the Texans because they'll get a new guy. Yeah, I think you know what that on that job is honestly one of the most appealing jobs out there because of Deshaun Watson. Oh, absolutely! But at the same time, you have Deshaun Watson. You don't have anybody else, though. Yeah, you don't have an offensive line. If 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 you get that job, I mean, you get a coach Watson. That's awesome. But you have a lot of rebuilding and signings and draft to do. And you don't. I don't believe you have a first round pick because it literally literally me tons of trade. It belongs but, to uh, Miami. Yeah, that's a that's a lot harder job than I think people are going to realize. Whoever gets that job in Houston, I think it's a hard. I think it's a harder job for if you get the GM job there than the head coach. Head coach, you know what? It's just like, hey, gotta blow with the punches. Like we're kind of right off twenty twenty one. I actually have a hot take about the Houston Texans for next year. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I think they trade JJ Watt in the offseason to a contender. Oh, I one hundred percent agree. I, I think. I mean, that really makes a lot of sense. You look at a team who. Um, for instance, uh, I was talking to somebody a couple months ago, but um, this was kind of when uh, Bosa got hurt, and I said we were, we were talking about Watt potentially being traded, and I, this was you know uh, Bosa being hurt. That this was before Garoppolo was ruled out for the year and Kittle and all them. Maybe the 49ers could have traded for Watt. I mean, if they if they made that playoff run, obviously it's not going to happen. But if it was a top tier team, uh, for instance, you put the Seahawks, they traded for Carlos Dunlap, and it's improving their defense. A top tier team who needs, just needs that one extra spark on defense, I think that would be a great team, a great trade for whoever would do that. You know what team I could see doing it, and it's a, and I think JJ would like going there? Green Bay. Yeah, I was thinking that. From Wisconsin, that yeah. would make a lot of sense. You know what, hometown boy, they need someone on the edge. Like, I know they got Kenny Clark, but they need someone who can be a pass disruptor and just f the play up that's jj because jj's still got a lot of years ahead of him uh that's just i i think that's one thing they got to do is like look he owed, he's owed a lot of money and he's a player you would love on any team but i think you know what for houston i think they just got to accept next year as like a write-off and try to accumulate as many picks as you can yeah it'd be really interesting to see what uh houston does with what yeah i think that's one thing to watch out for um the coaches i give that i think are gone are Gase, obviously, Marone, uh, Anthony Lynn, uh, Vic Fangio, like I said earlier. And one that I, I could potentially... I'm just trying to think of who else here, but... I'm trying to think of another one, but let's see. Gase, Lynn, Marone, Fangio. Part of me thinks that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace may go just because... 
I, I heard Mike Florio say this where he doesn't like it when the head coach gets fired or the GM gets fired, but the head coach doesn't because you know that the GM's going to want to bring in their own guy. So I think at the end of the year, the Bears are going to clean house completely in that part and try to find a new QB. Or you know what you do? Try to dump full somewhere. And I think they keep Mitch. I would not be surprised if Mitch is their quarterback in 2021. Bears fans probably are screaming at me right now. Um, one question I actually had for you, Jordan. How big of a Simpsons fan are you? The, like the show? Yes. Well, that that was a stupid question for me. I mean, I don't know what those Simpsons are there, but I, I don't. I've only seen that one or two episodes. So I I don't really watch it. Oh, okay, never. Okay, just because I saw uh, someone from ESPN, Mina Kim's, tw- uh, have a tweet yesterday of a uh, one of the characters in the show jumping up and down saying, "I'm happy and angry." I'm like, that's how I feel like Bears fans felt yesterday. It was like they were happy that they won this game huge, but then they're angry because it's like, oh fuck, it probably means Mitch is our quarterback going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a win-lose situation for Chicago. Yeah, like, there was, yesterday, it was like, you know what, it was like, hey, it was great, we've won, we got that monkey off our back, because we hadn't won in, like, uh, about a while. As I get a notification, oh, Mark Andrews in the red zone, so Baltimore's probably about to score again. Um, this is just a weird one, but, like, just just because, but, uh, yeah. And, um, so, yeah, that's just one thing I want to say about that. But um, another question I wanted to ask you quickly before we wrap up here because I've been taking up too, hopefully I haven't taken up too much of your time tonight. Who do you have an MVP for this year if you had to award it right now? Rodgers. I don't think it's close, especially with Mahomes is playing really great. He was my number two before yesterday. He still is number two, but throwing three interceptions, it's it's Rodgers to me. It's I mean, he's this is the best season he's probably ever had. I am Rodgers too, but do you want? Uh, I have an NBA comparison with this because everyone going, "Oh, it's Mahomes." It's like LeBron and Giannis, where you know what? LeBron is the best player, but Giannis is the most valuable to his franchise. I think that's the same thing with Rodgers and Mahomes. You know what? R- Mahomes is the best player in the league right now, hands down. But Rodgers is the most valuable player to his franchise. Yeah, that's that's a really good comparison if you look at it that way. I mean, yeah, those are two of the best quarterbacks right now. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a really, really good comparison. Um, also, too, you may hate this, but my coach of the year right now is, because um, I was going to say it earlier, is Kevin Stefanski. You know what? If Even if they, if the say, because they play the Giants, which I think they will win because the Giants right now like look like a hot mess after yesterday, and then they have the Jets and the Steelers, and if they win even three of those, they're going to finish 12-4. and four. And to finish 12-4 and four and get a Cleveland Browns team in the playoffs – Says a lot. So I still, my opinion, if I had to pick three coaches I have at Coach of the Year, it's or who I think the top three should be. It should be Stefanski, Flores, and Peyton, and then Cliff Kingsbury is fourth, just depending on how the Cardinals finish off the year. Yeah, I mean, he has to be up there, but if, if Washington wins their division, I think it should be Rivera, just because so much how uh, how much he's had to go through. But yeah, Stefanski would be up there, and to me, um, I don't know, I think it might be Matt LaFleur to me, my third one. That's another one. Um, one other one I think I was going to say is, um, I feel like they should have split comeback player of the year and give it, like, comeback player of the year, comeback, co- comeback coach of the year, and just split the award between, like, Alex Smith and Ron Rivera. Because, like, even though people are saying Ben, I'm like, as soon as Alex Smith took a snap of the ball, I'm like, well, comeback player of the year, no questions asked. And also, too, like, I think you said it earlier how Derek, uh, no, someone else said how they don't think Derek Henry deserves MVP just because he's a running back. But offensive player of the year... I'm giving it to Travis Kelsey. Yeah, to me, I think it offensive player of the year. I think you have Kelsey, 
Um, I think Stephon Diggs, Devontae cool. Adams, uh, Henry. Those are the four for me. But um, yeah, um, Alex Smith is definitely the comeback player of the year. No, nobody is literally even a number two for me. It's no. totally him. Um, one other award I wish they did in what the NBA, what the NBA does, which I wish NFL did, was most improved player. Like a, yeah. Um, I didn't really understand that either. Um, I think they should have that, but it'll be interesting to see if they um, come up and make one eventually. Yeah, exactly. Just something interesting I wanted to float by you. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think that'll wrap it up for today. Jordan, man, it was a pleasure. I know you and I have been in the DMs a lot just talking, trying to resolve this. But anyway, I'm going to give you a few seconds, man. Tell people where they can find your podcast, what your podcast is, what it's all about, because there's a certain audience here that not a lot of people know. You and I have a very similar interest that's not exactly sports-related, but it's sports entertainment. But anyway, man, plug your social medias and give yourself a nice little plug. All right. Um, the Sports Do Hind Show on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I talk about um, college football, the NFL, a little bit of the NBA, not much. Occasionally baseball. Um, I mean, pretty much everything. We're going to be talking about draft stuff soon. Um, I talk a lot about AEW wrestling, like almost every episode. I talk a little bit about the WWE. Um, I also interview some people. I've got to interview former uh, Redskins quarterback Jason Campbell, Broncos legend Carl Mecklenburg. We uh, just posted an interview today with a former um, Raiders and Browns head coach. He was also an offense coordinator for the Bengals, Hugh Jackson. Um, but most importantly, I, I know I mentioned my – uh, Instagram and Twitter, the Sports Two Hind Show. Make sure to s- subscribe to my um, YouTube channel, the Sports Two Hind Show. I would greatly appreciate. It. I'm really trying to build that up. You have new content you're not going to find anywhere else. I love to hear it. Well, anyway, Jordan, it was a blast getting to talk football with you, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'll have to have you on back sometime soon, probably closer to the combine, just so we can have a look at all the rookies and stuff, and also do closer to the draft. You could. You can vet more about the Bengals. We'll talk a little bit about the draft, a little bit about everything else, but we'll talk. But anyway, man, thank you very much for coming on today. And thank you for everyone who listened to the episode 48 of YWC Football Talk. We'll see you guys at the next episode. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.